Jesus was dead and buried, laid in a borrowed tomb. Pilate ordered the giant stone be rolled before the entrance, and a guard posted. you got to give the losing team a lot of credit. <laughs> but they thought they had him dead, and they were wrong. Because no grave could hold Jesus down. No tomb could seal Jesus in. No stronghold could block Jesus from blowing the hinges off. Where's everybody going? Are we preaching now? They had no clue of the power they were messing with. They had no clue what they were guiding themselves into being used for the purposes of God for our salvation. But Jesus knew what was coming. He says these words in John chapter 10. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. John 10, 17, verse 18. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. He didn't fall into the trap. He stepped into their trap. He could break out of the grave because he wasn't forced into it. He says, I lay it down. I take it up. I have authority to do what, Jesus? He let himself be arrested and executed in order to change history. He gave his life. And what's Easter all about? I can tell you a few things. What happened at the cross and the empty tomb? In order to save, to pay, to redeem, to win, to satisfy, to replace, to rescue, in order to be forever the catalyst of all good that we experience in this life, to be the Messiah, to be the Master, to be the only way to the Father. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. And happy Easter to you at home. Well, maybe I'll preach a sermon now. What do you think? I just need to get that off my chest. Our text this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 1. It says this. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark... Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. It was still dark when Mary and the other women disciples went to pay their last respects. Jewish tradition taught that the, the soul of, a de of the deceased would hang around the tomb for, for up to three days. So it was over as far as they were concerned. Jesus was gone. And I'm struck by these words that John pens. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. While it was still dark. This pandemic year, we've been very still, haven't we? We've been immobilized and stuck, motionless. Many of us feeling stranded. I spoke to someone this morning. He said, Pastor Pete, this is the first time I've been to church in 13 months. Still been at home, stuck, and stranded. And it's been dark, depressing, gloomy. So many stories within our community of faith of people who just hard to get going in the day. Like a, like a dark cloud over us. It's hard enough getting up early in the morning, but when it's dark, it's especially hard. Even for early risers like me, 
Why? Because at least I have a reason to get somewhere. There's hope of the sun coming up for Mary and those first disciples on their way to the tomb on the third day. It was especially hard because there was no hope. They were doing it out of duty and devotion. That's what got them moving in that still, dark day with no hope. But friends, it's my experience that God does some of his greatest work when it's still dark. That's been my experience. That's what the stories that I've heard of faith and supernatural working and God doing the impossible. When conditions are dark and hopeless, when we feel most stuck, when it's hard to try to self-motivate, we can't drink enough caffeine in the morning to see what's ahead, that's when God does his greatest work. When our circumstances seem impossible, well, that's when God shows up and moves. That's why I have hope. I hope you have hope too, and everyone here this morning, for this year to be a year filled with good news. Because this past year has been so still and so dark. You see, when it's still and dark and hopeless is when our Lord's presence is most powerfully experienced if we're walking by faith. Little steps of faith, they count. Mary and the other disciples didn't suspect anything of what was coming. Just out of duty and devotion, they put one foot in front of the other and moved on their way to the tomb. And, and I, I want to imagine, because it's not in Scripture, so I'm going to use my God-given imagination. I, I imagine the Father in heaven seeing this scene, holding back all the angels of heaven, and waiting and watching those faithful devoted disciples. And he sees their faith in the midst of the darkness and the stillness and the hopelessness. He sees them putting one foot in front of the other and he says, I'm going to reward them. And so he calls his angels down from heaven to roll that stone away and let them be the first to see. And then word got out. He's not dead. He's alive. As we heard Billy preach, he's the risen Savior. Death could not hold him. He went down to preach the good news and he rose to new life. The curse is broken. He defeated power, death, sin, and the devil. He took our place. He paid our debt. These are all ways that we make sense of the cross and the empty tomb. And the fact that he lives confirms every promise he ever made. That Jesus Christ is God's yes and amen. Now the first disciple that actually dared go into the tomb was Peter. Mary and the others just saw the the stone rolled away. They went running. They told Peter and the beloved disciple, we think it's John, and Peter's the one, the first one, he just is brash. He just runs right in and he sees the empty tomb. And he's one of the first to see the risen Christ in the flesh. And he wrote some years later to the church, a church that had caught like wildfire across the whole known world, 
where believers were coming together in such strong numbers from so many different uh, backgrounds, but all of them having in common their commitment and duty and devotion to Christ. And so they were experiencing persecution. He writes to this group of believers who are spread out, and he says these words. 1 Peter 1.3, he says, According to his great mercy, God the Father has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter goes on to describe what that looks like. What is living hope compared to being still in the darkness? He describes living hope as, as absolute future security, guaranteed entrance to heaven, total present protection by, by God's power. He says, no matter what happens, no matter what you go through, the suffering, the persecution of the church, he says, God has a plan in that. You're not trapped. God has a purpose in it. And a real sense, he says, this is the living hope, a real sense that even in your present darkness and struggle, your life has meaning. And that's been the message of Easter, Resurrection Sunday, all these 2,000 years. He says, all this is yours by faith. All this is yours by putting one foot in front of the other in trusting, believing faith in Christ and that his Holy Spirit is with us. That's how Peter describes this new life. Writing to Christians who he knew were still stuck and depressed, yet also he knew that they knew this living hope, this power breaking out. So friends, where are you today? Still dark or living hope? I don't care what you call it. I don't call it conversion, commitment, being saved, call it being born again, born from above. I don't care what you call it. I just want to know, has it happened in your life? Well, only you can just tell me. I don't know the answer. Does Christ live in your heart? Do you know it? The, the power of what we were singing of, do you know that power in your life even when it's still and dark? Many people have thought about it a long time. Thought about faith, thought about what it means to follow Jesus, and, and they've said, you know, not today. Tomorrow. A commitment is just too much to rest all of my life on. I'm going to take Jesus, I'm going to put him in a special place, I'm going to seal him off in my life, I'm going to close the door, I'm going to, I'm going to lock it so he can't come out and bother me because they know he's going to mess up your life. And do they know, do you know, the power you're messing with when you try to lock Jesus out of your life? No one forced you to be here this morning. I don't see any, any handcuffs. You could turn off the TV right now. Go get another scone. No, no one forced you here. Well, maybe somebody forced somebody here. That, that always happens, right? Like a little arm twisting to get to church, maybe. But you're here. And I believe you're here 
for a purpose. For today is the day that will change your life if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we heard this morning, I was watching the news this morning, and they said 100 million Americans have received at least one shot of the vaccine. 100 million. That's amazing. The 10% of the world population that makes up uh, the Western world, we have 80% of the vaccine. That means 90% of the world's population hasn't yet seen it, but, but we have all this vaccine. And they're saying now that the vaccines, there's lots of controversy about, but they're saying it's, what, 90 to 95% effective against the virus. Do you know what's more effective than 90 to 95%? If you know in your heart that you are really right with God, you are 100% certain of it. God bless you this morning. But if not, today is the day, not tomorrow, for the power of Jesus to come into your life, to get you moving in a way you've never moved, to bring a light and lightness and a joy you've never known before. How? By repenting of sin, being willing to change your way of life, turning to Christ, believing and trusting him by faith to call him Savior and Lord. By God's great mercy, you'll be born again to a living hope this Easter. Why not today? Why not this be that Easter? What a beautiful description of what it means to be a Christian, born into a living hope. I'd like to invite my dear friend and mentor, Pastor Frank, to come and, and pray and lead us in prayer. But as he, do, as he comes up, I also want to challenge those of us here and those of you at home who say, no, no, I know 100% that I am a Christian, that I believe in Jesus, and I believe in the gospel. If you say, yes, I believe, and, and the gospel has changed my life, and I've reoriented my life to God's word, that it's not just lip service, but genuine self-sacrifice in love and service to my fellow human being. If that's you, praise God. I'm so thankful for that, but I want to give you a challenge this morning as well. I want us to pray, Pastor Frank, for the impossible. For nothing is impossible with God. God doesn't do no way, no how. It's impossible. He does. He is the way. He says, here's how. He says he is the God of the impossible. So if you've already put your faith into Jesus, let's pray for the impossible this morning. I mean, why waste our time praying for things that are possible? If it was possible, I would just do it myself. Oh, Lord, I pray for this parking spot at Costco. I could just keep driving around until a spot opens up, right? I mean, that doesn't take some miraculous moving of God to do something that's possible in your life. I'm going to get off the couch, Lord. Help me to get off the couch. Just use your legs, people. So when Pastor Frank leads us in prayer, join me in praying for the impossible. I want my loved ones to be saved by the blood of Christ. That's impossible for me. There's nothing I can do. The major work of prayer has already been accomplished on the cross. Jesus 
has made the way for us to the Father and has removed the fear and shame. So with all the troubles that our world faces, all the ways that our world is still dark, stuck, immobile, facing dark horrors ahead, it's up to us, people of God, to pray prayers of the impossible for those people you will never even meet in this lifetime. That's a tall order, Pastor Frank. Can you lead us? Well, let's join together now to pray to the God of possibilities. You may be filled with impossibilities, but we're reminded that our God is the God of possibilities. Join me. Great and almighty God, on this special day, we join with the angels and archangels and the company of heaven and with the church of Jesus Christ throughout this world on this special day to offer our praise to you. Let no heaviness of spirit, let no burden of sin, let, let no impossibility keep us from rejoicing today. We've been reminded in the message of your word that you are the God of impossibilities, things we cannot do, things we cannot deal with, situations we cannot overcome. You are the God of great possibilities. So we bless you today. We think of impossibilities that may be in our midst this morning with people, perhaps those watching the live stream. Perhaps it is the situation of despair seeming impossible to overcome. We pray, God of possibilities, enter that situation in lives and give new joy and give new peace. We think of the impossibility of guilt. Guilt over sin, guilt over failures, whatever the guilt is. God, you are the God who breaks impossibilities and brings possibilities into every situation. Bring your forgiving grace to those who have the burden of guilt. And for those who are searching for a fulfilled and joyful life, and it never seems to happen to them, may the impact of the word this morning and the joy of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ penetrate their lives and hearts. And so, Lord, we think of the word that's gone forth today. This is a day of triumph and victory. You raised Jesus from the dead. Sin is overcome. Love prevails. All things are possible now. So we think of those who are struggling. Perhaps they need to come to you in faith and trust and stand before that cross and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray you'll guide them into that new birth that Peter spoke of and our pastor shared. And Lord, I, I confess that I had so many memories this morning when we saw Billy Graham on the screen, that great and godly man who served a generation and proclaimed the gospel around the world. And my mind went back 
65 years, 65 years to Lancaster Park in Christchurch, New Zealand, where Billy was there holding a crusade. And I began that journey. I found you as Savior. And what a journey it's been through all the ups and downs and all the twists and turns. You have been there. So I bless you, the God of possibilities. So draw near to those who need to know you today, and we pray that they'll be quickened and find new life in you. So we thank you for the joy of this very special day. May we not miss the joy and the peace. We bring ourselves to you with all our needs, and you will come and have your way with us, and we will walk with you. And I'm reminded too, as the pastor shared, that the scriptures say, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. If you need to take that step, may the Holy Spirit infuse you and strengthen you to trust Christ and follow him. Tomorrow is not God's word. Tomorrow is the devil's word. God's word is today is the day of salvation. So we thank you for the sharing of of this day and the blessing of your holy name. We thank you we can bring tithes and offerings to you now. We can share with you for the upbuilding of the church so that the gospel may go forth from this place. So may your blessings descend and rest upon us. Guide us. We honor and bless you and thank you for all that you are and for all that you can do. You are the God who breaks the impossible and you are the God who brings possibilities. We bless your name. May your spirit descend and rest upon us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.